welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. Last week you would have heard us uh, uh, talk a little bit about our vision, what God was saying, and in summary, as a church, we are about being and making disciples of Jesus Christ in authentic community. And what we see is a church that reaches, raises, and releases. A church that reaches, raises, and releases. And our primary goal as a church community, and I believe this is God's primary goal, is not just that we have a big church. We want a big people. We want a big people on the inside. And second to that is, well, people will get saved and people will be set free. And, and God's church will be not just established, but extended throughout this earth in His name. But last Sunday as well, I, there was a scripture that I felt to share. And we'll be talking about that across our congregations this morning. And that's Ephesians chapter 4. So if you will, pull out your Bibles and let's go straight to Ephesians chapter 4. I'll be spending most of my time today in the ESV, English Standard Version, but it'll be up on the screens. And I'll make uh, a jump over to NLT at one point. Ephesians chapter 4. I mentioned there's a bit of reading. So I'm going to read a chunk. I'm going to read from verse 11 all the way through to the end of that chapter. And then we're just going to spend most of our time on two of those verses. In verse 11... Paul writes to the Christians at Ephesus, talking about Jesus, he writes, and he, talking about Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers, verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. God's people said, all right, that's just a pause. We're going to keep reading. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you've heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, 
created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Shall we read on? Let's do it. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. He forgave you. He's already forgiven you. Past tense. He's forgiven you. As he's forgiven you, so forgive others. I mentioned that uh, now probably close to two weeks ago, I had a dream that it was in Ephesians 4 that I was sharing with the church congregation, which is why I referred to it last Sunday. And uh, we just felt as a leadership to continue uh, that passage. You would have heard me share before about the fivefold gifts. Remember that? How recently I talked about those five gifts um, where, where Christ ascended and he gave gifts. And the gifts were the people themselves, not just the gifts of evangelism and prophecy and apostleship and teaching and pastoring. It's the people that carry the gifts for the body. Remember the thumb? What was the thumb? Do you remember what the thumb was? The apostle and the, the finger was the prophet and the middle was the evangelist that had the furthest reach. And then you had the ring finger that was the pastor and the little one that was the pinky that was the teacher that brought balance. Remember that, that illustration we brought? I encourage you to go back and have a look at it if you will. But this is what it says in verse 11, sorry, verse 12, I just quoted 11, verse 12, he gave them to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I love that. The saints for the work of the ministry. There would be an equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Now, who are the saints? That's you and you and me. We're the saints for those that have the Spirit of God living in us. You know that song, Oh, when the saints... Go marching in, oh, when the saints go march. Hey, we should write, oh, when the saints go marching out. Because that's what, that's what this scripture's about. When the saints go marching out. So we see those gifts, those people were there to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Now, what that tells us very simply, first point, is that res there is a responsibility on all of us. Christ places responsibility on all of us, not just the microphone holders, on all of us, every single one of us, 
We have a responsibility. We, in fact, have a mandate. We all have a job to do. We are all ministers. We are all missionaries. We have a couple of our leaders overseas at the moment in Mumbai ministering to over 100 pastors from uh, Uttar Pradesh. Uh, They're under heavy persecution and affliction. They're they're getting beaten and chased. Literally, uh, these pastors up in Uttar Pradesh for what they believe and how they preach. But we're actually ministering to them. Pastor Brett and Tom are over in Mumbai doing a pastoral conference to impart and bless them, um, to look after them. So in some sense, we call Brett and Tom our missionaries. But in another sense, we're all missionaries. We are all on mission. All right now, we have been commissioned by Jesus. The beginning and the end of our Christian experience isn't just in this room. We know that, right? This is, when we come together on a Sunday, it's the celebration. It's the icing on the cake. It's that we get to sit together. We get to stand together. We get to pray with one another. We get to celebrate Jesus together. I mean, this is good. But every single one of us are to be empowered and graced and anointed to go and reach our neighbors, to go and reach our colleagues, the people that we work for, the people that we work with, the people that we lead in our own household, every single one of us. And we have a responsibility to partner with God, to co-labor with Him. How does this look, Lord? How does this look? Oh, but if I can just get them to church on a Sunday morning, the pastor will get them. (laughs) No, get out there. You get them. You get them. You've got all you need. You've got Jesus. And then we get to come together and celebrate what he's done. We get to talk about his goodness. How good were those testimonies, those miracle stories we saw on the screen last week? How many more do we have? That's what God's doing out there. Every single one of us is called. This is what it says in 1 Peter 2 verse 9 and 10. But you are a chosen race. You, 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 you. That's plural. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Every single one of you, me, us together, we are all priests. In Jesus, we are prophets, priests, and kings. And we once were not, but by his divine grace, in his sovereign providence, he calls for us and then he graces us and he works alongside us as he's in us to reach the lost at whatever the cost. Every single one of us. So it's all of our mandate to reach and to raise and to release. Being a parent can be very challenging at times. And all the parents say, I've got three beautiful daughters, many of you may know. And uh, at times, they don't like helping around the house. I don't want to set the table, Dad. I want to watch TV. I know you want to watch TV, but we need you to set the table, please. Please tidy your room, darling. Oh, Dad, I'll do it later. Can I just do it later, please? Please. What do I have to? You ever have those conversations as parents? Can you please pick up 
your pastor off the floor. Oh, Dad, can I just do it later? You, you, you made that mess. You clean it up. Please do it now. Clean it up. Now, now wipe it after yourself, would you? Now, as children, when they're smaller, I find that um, uh, I have to show a little bit more grace to them because they're younger. As they get older, more responsibility is expected of them. I wonder if at times we as Christians can be like that. Do I have to do anything? Do I have to help my fellow neighbor? Do I have to forgive? Do I have to pray with them? Do I have to? Oh, please. And Paul's saying, hey, look, you're all equipped for the work of the ministry. And we're in this together. There's a responsibility on each of us. The church is not a bless me club. I've lost some of you. Do we not get blessed in church community? 110% we do. But we do not try and find a local church first and foremost so that we can be blessed. I'm too blessed to be stressed to be at that church, at that house, in that community. They're too much hard work. (laughs) I've got some issues coming out right now. Go where God calls you to and ask him what part he would have you play. And in the process, you'll be blessed. As a father, I don't feel too blessed when I'm parenting my three adorable girls. But in the process of serving and sacrificing and laying down my life and investing into them, the blessing comes. It it strikes me as remarkable when I hear believers say, oh, no, I haven't been in church for multiple years, many years. And we all have our different reasons. I didn't like the music in that church. Oh, the preaching was too long. I didn't like the people on the front door. There, were, there was not, there, literally, they didn't have good airflow. <laughs> I'm twitching now as I talk about the airflow. The Lord just told me to come out and not reestablish and reconnect. I'm not talking about short little stints where God sometimes speaks to you. I'm talking about people that have been out wandering for multiple years. And not listening to passage or reading passages like Hebrew 10.25 that says don't neglect, don't forsake, don't turn your back on getting together with other Christians, which some have fallen in the habit of doing, especially as the day of the Lord approaches. When God speaks to you, listen to him. Here's, Here's a moment of truth and confession for you. Uh, back in the year 2000, I remember um, I was filled with the Spirit. I was in a church and I felt like I didn't have a home church. I'd visited a church actually. I made a decision to follow Christ and I was looking for a church after that. And I had um, a relative of mine telling me to come to a church called City International Church. That was this one when we were back at Herb Graham Rec Center. And I'm like, okay, what's that church like? And this person said, well, I know the pastor, Phil Stevenson, he's a good friend of mine. It's full of young people. I thought, oh, great. I was 18, 19 at the time. I'm like, I'll go to that church. I'll go. And I rock up. There's about 40 people and three, three of them were young. <laughs> They're serving fairy bread for the hospitality. I'm like, what am I going to do with fairy bread? But do you know what? It didn't matter. 
Because God spoke to my heart. He spoke to my heart. I, I went looking for something that would bless me, but something happened and I had to respond to the Holy Spirit. I remember saying to Phil Stevenson, who was a pastor at the time, this was the first or the second Sunday I was with him. And he reminded me of this. He said, do you remember when one of the first times I spoke to you, you were sitting down at that table and you said to me, this is going to be a big church. And I remember I did. That was a church, 40 or 50 people at the time in a rec center room. <laughs> now look what God's doing. We're about to plant our fifth congregation in Zambia for the glory of God. So what God can do with you? So we have to learn very quickly that we are part of his church, his church family. It's not just about us, that each one of us has a responsibility, a part to play. And why? It's because he values unity. Christ wants unity for all of us. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith. Unity. Unity. Philippians chapter 2, Paul also writes to the Christians there. Verse 2, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. I want to know if I like that one. Others more significant than me? Christ values unity. Unity is not the same as uniformity. It's not, it's not where we're all exactly the same. In fact, I believe that God believes in unity through diversity. Think about the Trinity. We have a Trinity of persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. They're distinct, they're different, they're unique, but they are one. They're a community of persons, but they're one, of one accord, of one mind, of one heart, and we are to reflect that. Check out John chapter 17 if we can, verse around about 20. John chapter 17, this is Jesus' high priestly prayer, and I read from 20 to 23. Jesus prays and he says, I don't ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you've sent me. The glory that you've given me, I've given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you've loved me. Think about that. Jesus was praying for us. It wasn't just his disciples at the time. It's for those that would believe. So a couple of thousand years ago, a couple of millennia ago, Jesus is praying for you. And there is no prayer that Jesus prays that the Father does not listen to. I'm so encouraged that he was praying for me way back when. But what was his prayer? that we would be one, perfectly one. Like the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, that they are one. We're in Him and Him and in us, that we would be one, that we would become one so that we may attain the unity of faith. 
And be careful. Do you know the enemy? The enemy is trying to divide us. You know that, right? We look and we deal in the natural, but the, but the greater reality is the supernatural. And if the enemy can divide us, he has a greater, stance, a greater chance of conquering us. Think about the last two to three years. This talk about the pandemic, vaccines and masks. and It was so remarkable to me to see how fractured humanity had become. Because fear was used. Fear was used. And we became so afraid based on what we were feeding ourselves, what we see, what we hear, our conversations. Vaccine, no vaccine. Mandate, no mandate. Meetings, no meetings. Online, in, per, in person, masks, no masks. And it, 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 how quickly we became so fearful. The enemy used COVID used the discussion of the pandemic to bring fear to the surface that we would be divided. And then, and then what would happen? Christians from all over the place, we would start to allow that to divide us. Quick, there's a COVID emergency. Don't you see? Don't you see? Turn the TV off. You'll be okay. Now there's no COVID emergency. It's a climate emergency. Oh, give me a break. Look after the environment. But don't let fear separate us. 15-minute, 20-minute cities. Don't get me started. The greater reality is the kingdom reality. The greatest truth is that of Jesus Christ. Truth is not just a thing. Truth, truth is a person. And when we look to Jesus and not allow the enemy to dissuade or distract or depress us, we do much better. I'm telling you, friends, this isn't a new thing. The enemy has always sought to, to divide us up. And perhaps you felt that you were victim to that. Don't let it happen again. Live and learn. Quite again. We are better together. Unity of faith. We all have a responsibility for the work of the ministry to attain the unity of faith. But also for intimacy, for the knowledge, it says, to attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. So responsibility is on all of us, unity he wants for all of us, but he also desires intimacy with all of us. So you can be part of a church community, you can do the work of the ministry, but you know that you can still miss Jesus in the process. You can be coming to a church community, church services, life group, they're all wonderful things, but you don't want to miss Jesus in the process. You can have religious activity, but not have relational intimacy. And we are called for intimacy to know him. If you, if you still got your finger in John chapter 17, go to verse 3 of chapter 17. And as Jesus starts in that prayer, he says that they would know you, the only true God. That's eternal life. And Jesus Christ, the one whom you have sent. 
You can have God bless you abundantly and you could be celebrating on the mountaintops and still miss Him with you. Conversely, you can be struggling in the biggest trial of your life, in the valleys low, and still miss Him, that He's with you. I'm telling you, (laughs) I haven't had an easy run the last few years, but I have found Him in a way that I never knew to be possible I'm telling you friends if that's a word for you he's with you in the fire but don't miss him as you're squirming as you're complaining as you're lamenting as you're grieving let that process come but direct it to him and see him in the process he is with you intimacy is what it's all about he wants to know you deeply relationally, not just through another person, not just through a pastor, not through a leader, not through a parent, not through a child, not through a teacher, not through a scholar, not through a commentator. He wants to know you personally because there's going to come a time where we, where we stand before our maker. And what happens at that point is based on what we have done with Jesus in this moment. If we deny him, it says in Matthew chapter 10, before men will be denied in heaven. But if we stand and confess him before man, Jesus will confess us before the Father who's in heaven. So intimacy with all of us, with every single one of us. And as we have intimacy, it certainly shapes our identity. We should be looking more and more like him as we walk through our lives. You know, you can, you can know Jesus for many, many years, but be struggling with the same issues and you haven't changed. But the more that we know him, I mean really know him, and the more that we walk with him and we let him minister to us, the more we become like him. So true intimacy shapes our identity and then we will look different to the world. We, we, we just will. We'll look different. I, I, I'm not interested in trying to look like and smell like and walk like and talk like people that don't know Christ. To try and fit in. I, I'm not interested. I, I don't need to fit in. Right? What's this thing about contemporary Christianity that we would just become like them to reach them? No, you're misunderstanding No, no, we are to be different. We're the salt, we're the light. We're supposed to be different. And so from the world's perspective, if Christians are exactly the same as them, why would they change? What do they need? What? what? I want to look like Jesus. And Jesus doesn't look like the world. And that's a mark of intimate relationship with God. We become more like Christ. Check out Romans chapter 8, verse 28 to 30. You know I love this scripture. Romans, Romans chapter 8. That's in the New Testament, right? I always get this one wrong. It's in the New Testament. <laughs> and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Oh, let's stop there, Pastor. 
For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So his ultimate purpose for us is maturity and Christ conformity. It, he's less interested in your career. And he's more interested in your character. Because it's your character that, takes, that, that is taken with you into eternity, not your career. Not what you do, not your vocation, not your bank balance, not your house, not your car. It's who you are. That's why he's so interested in maturity. So interested in Christ-likeness. That's what maturity is. It's Christ-likeness. How do I know if I'm becoming more mature? We're going to read on a little bit, but in, 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 in a summary, you look like Jesus. In Ephesians it says, To mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Oh, I love that one. So he wants maturity in all of us. Jesus expects maturity in all of us. He expects it. He expects it. Some of us, we're a little bit too soft when it comes to the word or what God's commands are. He expects that of us. He wants us to grow up. If you need to, turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking to you, you know. It's time to grow up. I was having a conversation with one of my girls this last week. And uh, she was having a moment. And I was, <laughs> I told you, parenting is not always easy. Um, and children, as we all, can sometimes carry on a little bit, right? N no one in this room. Okay, it's just, me and my, it's just me and my girls. Okay, we can carry on like pork chops sometimes. And we have our attitudes and we're kicking and screaming. And so I said to one of my beautiful girls, I said, listen to me. My number one goal as your parent is not to have you like me. It's to raise you in the best way that I can before God. Which means we're going to disagree sometimes. And you're going to get upset. And I'm okay with that. Because there's going to come a time where I'm, I have to stand before God and give account for how I've loved my family and raised my children. And I want you to grow up the way that God wants you to grow up. And I actually said, I said, it takes a lot of love to have these conversations. A loving thing is not to let you carry on in your hissy fit way. It takes more love to say, no, I, I can't let you do that. You're at an age now where you understand, so more is expected. Is that not sometimes how God deals with us? In Hebrews, it, he talks to us, right? Through the writer to the Hebrews. Sometimes he's going to correct us. Sometimes he's going to do it. Why? Because he's our father and it's a demonstration of his love. And if he didn't, it, we would be declared illegitimate children, it says. That we wouldn't be his children. See, God loves us so much to accept us as we are, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. And so he wants us to grow up. 
It's time to grow up. It's time to grow up. So what does maturity and growing up look like? In summary, it's like Jesus, however, actually, this is what I'm going to read from the New Living. I like how it's put in the New Living Translation. Let's go, verse 16, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. But verse 17 onwards, this is what it says. With the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Is that not dissimilar from the world we're living in right now? Don't be like them. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, watch this, verse 22 is important. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Put it on. So throw off the old and put on the new. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, for those that are in Christ, what are we? We are a new what? We're a new creation. The old man has gone. It's past. He's dead. The new has come. Verse 25, so stop telling lies. Watch how he compares these two here, right? Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth for we're all parts of the same body. Anyone here tell lies? Don't put your hand up. But I'm looking. Don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. Watch this, verse 27. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. What? Be careful. In anger. If you're a thief, quit stealing. I don't think that only applies to if you go into houses and rob them. Are you ripping others off? You're being dishonest with your finances. Hmm. Move along. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. I'll just keep reading, sorry. Amen or ouch? So when I'm reading this this last week, I'm chewing on this, I'm like, oh, this is good. I could just, oh, I could sit on this. A long time. I'm just between me and the Lord as I'm reading some of these things. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way that you live. Um, likely a reference to Isaiah chapter 60 and verse 31 where we grieve the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. He's a person, you know that. He's not just a force or a thing. He can be grieved by the way that we live. 
Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you'll be saved on the day of redemption. Verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So what is he saying? He's saying, put it away, put it off. The description there is like taking off old clothes and putting on new clothes. And this helps me. This helps me. I've got um, some old shoes here. You see these old shoes? If you, if you were to see them up close, you'd see dusters on them. They're unpolished. In fact, I haven't worn these for over six or seven years. True story. I got them out this morning. I had a look and I saw dust. I just put them straight on. I'm like, that'll be great. I'm going to wear that. I think there's probably a dead cockroach in my left shoe. There's something in there. <laughs> probably something bigger. Maybe like an like a undersized rodent or something. It's in there. But the picture is like this. Take off the old and put on the new. Can you please pass me? I have not worn these shoes yet. I bought them nine months ago. Look at those kicks, baby. You know they're good, don't you? Too loud for some? Not for me. Still got the tag on them. I pulled them out this morning. I thought, I'm going to put them on. There you go. Receive that in Jesus' name. So... When we read passages like that, I'm going to read it one more time. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life. It's like this. You get rid of them. Throw off your old sinful nature. This is what maturity looks like. This is what growing up looks like. This is, this is what God calls for. Get, get it off. Get rid of it. You don't need it anymore. They're dirty. They're old. They've got dead animals growing in them. But hang on, that's, that's the realisation that we must have, that our old life, it's, it's gone. It was rubbish. It was sinful. It was corrupt. Don't go back to that anymore. Like a, like a weird like dog returning to its vomit. It's just the grossest thing ever. Don't go back. There's nothing there. There's nothing good. But sin sometimes comes knocking on the door. Remember how much fun we had? We can do it, you and I. It calls. Why do we sin? Well, because we sometimes just enjoy it. That's why we do it. But don't let it have that mastery over you. It says, Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Romans 12.2 Don't be conformed, but be transformed. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Put on your new nature. Should I put them on? If they don't fit, it'll be quite a bit of a backfire, won't it? You'll wear it. There's no way you can fit these, my man. Come hold the microphone for me, would you? I must be Cinderella. Look at that. Oh, oh my word. Look at that. Do you like the green? Symbolic of new life <laughs> in Christ Jesus. So put them on. Put on the new as you get rid of the old. Here is a call in this season, church. 
to be reminded of that reality. Don't go back. You can't go back. He's calling for you to put on the new life. We are new creations. New. And you know what? He's renewing us every day. Every single day. As we finish this morning, I just feel to stand and pray together as a church community that that we live in the revelation that we are new in Him. And perhaps there is a call that the Spirit is maybe knocking on the door of your heart to let go of something. What are the old kicks you're wearing? Is it bitterness? Is it resentment? Is it addiction? Is it deception? Is it greed? Is it fear? Is it idolatry or jealousy? Is it pride or rebellion? What, 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 what are you wearing? Can I say to your friends, just take it off. You don't need it anymore. You've got better shoes. And they fit so much nicer too. Can we pray? Let's stand together. We're just going to extend the moment for a minute or two, maybe even longer. We're going to invite God to just work in our hearts. We can't do it without the Holy Spirit. You know that. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot in and of ourselves see God. It takes God to reveal God. He's got to do that work. And he's got to show us, the one who searches all things in our hearts, he's the one, the great revealer, the great empowerer, the one who graces and anoints. See, where we are going, we've never been before. We've never been there before. It's, it's uncharted waters in a sense. As we move forward in Christ, he takes us to wondrous places, but we need him with us. Let's pray together. Father, we just... We say thank you that we are all called, all of us, to be ministers. You desire for all of us to be in unison and of one mind and one heart. You you want intimacy with all of us. But Lord, you want us all to be mature and like Jesus. And Father, as we are compelled and even commanded to put off the old and put on the new, would you help us to live in the revelation of that reality. We are new in Christ Jesus. So Lord, would you fly over the parts of our hearts where there is uh, uh, old thinking, old ways, where there is sin, where there are things that are hindering our progress, our walks. Lord, we just cast it to one side because we want to run the race that you've set before us by fixing our eyes on you. So we wait on you now, Lord. We wait on you. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.